Hey everybody, welcome back to the Sportsmanlike Conduct Podcast. This is your host, Brian Argot. It's uh, May 25th. This is episode five of the Sportsmanlike Conduct Podcast. Excited to have a, you know, five in the book. I mean, uh, it, you know, we started, uh, you know, talking about this a month and a half ago with uh, my producer, Steve, uh, who's out in Las Vegas this weekend. I hope he has a lot of fun. Uh, Memorial Day weekend here. Um, a lot of uh, people getting ready to barbecue. I hope everyone has a safe weekend. We're actually driving down to San Felipe, Mexico for a few days with a girlfriend and some friends of ours. And we're taking the dogs. Biscotti's with me here today. He'll be di- he'll be down there with me in uh, Mexico. And uh, I'm excited. Can't wait to uh, go swimming in the beach and taking the dogs there and go swimming as well. Uh, he's uh, He loves the water. Yeah, that's a lab inside of him. But uh, today on the show, I'm going to talk a little bit of NBA. I'm going to talk uh, some MLB, and uh, I, w- I want to start with the NBA here. I, uh, the Boston Celtics are taking on the Miami Heat. Me and Steve talked on the podcast on um, on our last episode, and uh, it was getting, it was on uh, Tuesday when uh, with Game Four, um, we were talking about uh, the Celtics. It was you know if they got swept, the um, I didn't I wasn't sure if they were going to get swept or not in that game. Um, I, I still the improbable comeback. No one's ever come back from three down. They have a great chance of doing it. Um, I mean, s- still the Celtics are so much more talented than the Miami Heat are in the series uh, tonight. They're in Boston. One thing that was sticking out to me in this game was how the heck are the Boston Celtics eight and a half point favorites? Um, if you're a betting man, I would go bet the Heat right now. If you could buy a few points on this, get it up to 10 and a half, maybe at like minus 150, uh, throw uh, throw some money at that because, God, I, I understand the Celtics are favorite. I get it. They're at home and they're the more talented team, but eight and a half points. I know they killed them in game three. They think they might have figured something out, but still, uh, they're with um, the Miami Heat are without Gabe Vincent, uh, Gabe Vincent tonight. He's not going. Uh, Tyler Hero's still not back. Um, and, you know, um, the, we heard uh, Malcolm Brogdon. He's been playing through an injury. I, I still just don't get how the Heat are that much of underdogs when they've proven time and time and again. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to win this game, but God, that that spread is way too high. This should be uh, probably minus four, minus four and a half. I understand if the Celtics win, they're going to win large, but that's not always the case. I mean, look at last year in Game Seven, and the uh, we we saw these two teams go at it in the Eastern Conference Finals. And uh, Jimmy, Bu- you know, Jimmy Buckets was one three away from you know, winning that game. Or, you know, if he drives and gets an and one at the basket, which I really thought he would have gotten uh, against Horford last year, but he was just totally gassed. And uh, we, we know we saw that. And uh, it just, uh, you know, this could be a one possession game, two possession game. Uh, the Heat could easily win this outright. I mean, they are up three to one uh, in the series. So um, I, I would just. Um, I, I know this episode's going to be putting out, getting put out as this uh, this um, game is going on. But man, I just um, I just can't believe the Celtics are that favored. Um, the Heat saw the better coach in Spolstra. He's going to make adjustments after what he saw probably in Game Four that the Celtics has exposed the weaknesses of the Miami Heat. And the Heat have been shooting the hell out of the ball. Like that's also another reason why the Celtics are um, are uh, you know getting their butt kicks. But also um, you know the Celtics what they did in game four was they just didn't chuck up dumb threes. What they did in game three, which I really hated, they were down by double digits in the third quarter and they were just shooting 
threes. And yeah, they were not making them. They were making, they were missing some wide open ones, but got it. You know, there's just no life in that team, no attack in the basket. The only person on the floor that looked like he wanted to actually play was Robert Williams, who was actually given a crap. Um, I, I have no idea what Marcus Smart was doing in some of those games. Um, I hate how he's just trying to draw the foul. Just kind of, just like, just doing dumb stuff. Like, you know, don't uh, just, um, yeah, the Celtics, uh, they went, went any life. They'll obviously have to play like how they did in game four. I think the Heat are going to be ready for that. Um, I Obviously, you know, the Celtics you know, should possibly win because they still have the more talent. Um, I mean, uh, if, they, if they win, I mean, God, a lot, a lot of the pressure is going to go back on the Heat because uh, this will go back to Miami. And, um, I mean, maybe we'll see this series tied at 3-3. Um, you know, before we know it and, uh, before the weekend's over and we're looking at it, it come uh, Memorial day Monday and we're like, damn, this series is tied, <laughs> which would be absolutely nuts. Uh, <laughs> it'd be the craziest thing we're like, man, uh, the, can the Celtics be the first team ever to come back down from three Oh down, uh, especially the, you know, go in the finals and the Denver, the Denver nuggets are listening back. They're like, this is great. Um, you know, let's go game. Let's go for, they're ready for a game six, ready for a game seven for this, because the more tired these two teams get, they're going to be playing a rejuvenated, uh, well-rested, uh, nuggets team who just demolished the Lakers. And, um, I mean the, the Lakers series, yeah, Lakers got swept and that was a cl- closer series. It looked three, one possession games. Um, Lakers could easily won game two and game four. Um, it's still like, you know, a lot of speculation on what's going on there with uh, what's going to happen with them. But Denver, um, at home, uh, this is their, this is their year. I mean, they have the, I think they had the best team with the best player. Um, obviously a lot of people are talking about that right now and, you know, let, let's give Denver some praise. Uh, they are, you know, this is it, you know, when the Lakers played them three years ago in the bubble, um, the, the Lakers beat them and, you know, now it's, uh, now it's Denver's turn. And who knows if, uh, who knows who will be on the other side if they play the Heat? God, I mean, I, I got to imagine that Denver's hoping they play the Heat because, wow, they, um, I, I don't think the Heat can even hang in that kind of series with that kind of um, place to play by the Nuggets. Um, it would just be pretty, it would be pretty bad, I think. Um, they can, they have so many guys that they could just throw at Jimmy Butler and, uh, they have nobody to throw Jokic. Bam cannot guard Jokic. You know, although Bam was a hell of a defender and hell of a rebounder and all that, it just can't. He cannot handle Jokic offensively. There's just no way. But um, yeah, we got a uh, game game two here tonight, or sorry, uh, game five here tonight. Um, going off in about 15 minutes or so. But man, um, I hope uh, a lot of you guys are looking at this line and just like, wow. Let me jump on the eight and a half. Uh, if anything, because man, it's just a absolutely uh crazy um you know one, one thing I, I did here before the show i went uh what i like to do and i've been trying to lose weight got a kid on the way i'm not trying to gain any dad bod trying to fight off the dad bod um you know I'm, i mean i'm a pretty fit guy i like to think um but uh i've been running like i've been running or moving trying to do a lot of um more intense high interval training just uh to to keep my body going. I'm trying to, I have a goal in my, in my own mind right now. I'm like, okay, how could, how could I get in better shape for when the baby does come in December? Because, um, yeah, I don't want to be one of those dads. I want to be a fit dad. <laughs> uh, one, one reason why I'm also like, uh, as another one of my little side hustles, I'm working on my first running course. 
Um, I'm an avid runner for those of you who know me. Um, I just, uh, it's just one thing I love, love to do. And, uh, I'm a, you know, I do personal training, so I'm kind of, I'm inputting all that into one running course. I'm making that through teachable and I, I can't wait to put that out here. It's probably going to take me about another three to four weeks to really get that, uh, put the finishing touches on it, but, uh, the bones are there and I'm, uh, just creating the content. Can't wait for all that to come through. Uh, just like this podcast did, um, you know, like I said, I left Fox, um, two weeks ago. Uh, two weeks ago, tomorrow will be, uh, it's a uh, crazy how time flies. Um, I, ne- I didn't want to leave the sports world. That's why I created this, this sports podcast. Um, I had my old podcast, a Rocky start, which I'm still doing. That is more of the entrepreneurial, just kind of life lesson side now that I'm turning it into the podcast. But, um, I never wanted to leave sports. I, um, I still, my ambitions are all here. I want to be in the podcast realm with sports. Um, I, my girlfriend's always like, God, why do you look at sports? Uh, uh, the scores all the time. And I'm like, because I want to stay in tuned. She's like, just by staring at some of the scores sometimes, like when I'm driving, she's like, how do you stay tuned? I'm like, because I see how some, if I'm watching baseball, I see how some teams are coming back. I see how some team, you know, cause when you actually are paying attention to those small details, it gives you a better understanding of the game. Um, then I, I go back and like kind of watch some of those highlights later. I know a lot of people do that with basketball. Sometimes I do that with basketball too. Uh, watch the condensed uh, highlights and go through all that. Uh, if I do miss some games uh, with football, God, I love doing that with football. God, I can't wait for fo- football season to come. But with baseball, I'm all in right now. Um, and that's uh, what I want to talk about next year. With, uh, with baseball going on, we got a lot. Um, but the one thing I want to talk about, and I've been seeing it over and over again. Aaron Boone just got ejected again tonight. He's um, watching the Yankee game. He got ejected last night too, in the um, in the Yankee game. So it's like he's been arguing the balls and strikes. I've I've seen so many umpires just eject um, um, coaches and, and players because they're arguing calls. But there's no um, there is no uh, rep not reparation, but there is no uh, punishment to the umpires for making bad calls. And that infuriates me. Uh, it infuriates me because the umpires can swing a game, especially if they have a bad strike zone. If they have a wide strike zone or short. It, it could, you know, it plays a favor for a certain team, whether if they're home or or, or away. Um, it sometimes it doesn't matter. Like if you have a pitcher who is not pitching inside the zone, is not pitching inside that strike zone, and they're still getting strike calls. It's absolutely preposterous. And I, I see how some players who like who are patient and will try to draw walks, and all of a sudden you think you're drawing a walk, and you you just struck out on a full count, and that is the absolutely the most frustrating thing when you know a ball was a ball, and you should have drawn a walk, and and, and then you get uh you know a strikeout. It may be in a key situation. I've seen this numerous times throughout games. I watch I watch games every day. And not just my not just my Mets. I watch a lot of different games, and I see them all the time. And, and players are you know getting really frustrated at these umpires. And I'm thinking to myself, is the solution robo umps? Is ro are robo umps the solution? I know some people are like, oh, you know, it's like let's not change the game. You know, the, the game is you know it's perfect how it is. It's always you know it's unique with the umpires calling it. You know what? I'm sick of it. I'm so tired of the umpires, you know, being able to eject managers and not get any repercussions in, you know, back for what, for what's going on on the field. 
Um, it, it just is, it's gone way too far down. Um, it's been way too far before. Um, they're, they're able to eject players um, and they can eject key, key players. I saw yesterday Bryce Harper get upset. Like it was uh, the very first pitch to him. The ball was way inside on him and they called it a strike yesterday. And God, he was furious. He ended up striking out. Um, you could just tell that it, it just dictated the whole mood of the uh, bat. It wasn't even a close call. It wasn't even like it, it painted the, the corner or the line or anything like that. Like, um, I understand, like, we have robo umps. So there, there are going to still be some instances where it's like some players will will argue a ball and a strike. I, I, you just know it's going to happen. Um, you know, the umps will probably have some sort of sensor or some sort of relay um, from, a, from a board or whatever um, that it was a strike or if it was a ball. And um, that, that is going to be really interesting when that does come because I think eventually it will come. It's going to happen. And I um, – I am just I think I'm ready for it. I, I want to see it in the MLB. I think players want to see it in the MLB. And you know, I think quite frankly, I think the umpires want to see it. I you know maybe except for some of those old school umpires who have always done it this way and whatever. I don't care about. I don't care how long they've been umpiring. Whatever, it doesn't matter. The game is evolving. You guys got to get with the time. That that's just simply how it is. We have so many rule changes this year that have bettered the game for the evolution of the game. And um, the strike zone, I think, is going to be the next best thing for the evolution of baseball. Um, so we don't have, so we just don't need umpires calling these because human error comes into effect all the time. Um, I try to understand that, but when there is a solution for it, why don't we have that out there? That's what we need. We need the uh, robo ops. We need um, those strike zones. And guess what? There's still going to be umpires at all four bases. You need one for home. You need one for first. You need one for second. You need one for third. Um, cause there are certain calls that will happen, uh, um, all sorts of stuff. And, uh, you know, you'll, you'll still need umpires probably calling, uh, strikes, um, you know, whether if like the, see if they went around, uh, if a player, uh, meaning going around when they're, they're, um, attempting to go for the ball, but they might not pull, they might, uh, not go all the way on the swing, but they pull it back. Uh, we still need umpires on the, on first and third base to make that, uh, strike determination if it was a ball or, or a strike or if you went around. So we're, we're still going to need those. Uh, the, the home plate umpire is going to have to relay, like I said, if that was a ball or a strike uh, to the to the players. So we're still going to have all the umpires in the game. The only thing that's going to change is, you know, having the old school mentality of, hey, uh, this is, um, oh, you know, we're, we're all like, you know, the, the game is perfect the way it is. We're going to have some of those old heads kind of talking about it. We're going to have so many people who just like when um, the pitch clock came into effect um, and now it's re- really going, you have 20 seconds to throw a pitch in between pitches. Um, guess what? Everyone's adapted. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there's going to be studies that come out later to see if whether you know pitchers are getting fatigued from the pitch timer. Do we have to adjust it? Maybe make it 25 seconds. Uh, do we need do we need to uh, do something like that to where they have a little bit more time in between um, to give the arm a little bit of rest? Maybe that's something. I mean, obviously the, these are still um, we're still playing with this rule. It's not it's not um, I'm not saying it's perfect yet. Not, no, I don't think anything will be perfect when trying to change the game. Um, we, you know, we see that in basketball. We see it in um, in football. And when they're they change rules um, and all the time, like the NFL, they just approved the uh, the ball the the football to be placed at the twenty five yard line here. Uh, I saw the Chiefs come out uh, when when it's a touchback. Um, 
and the Chiefs came out and said, you know, what is this flag football? Uh, you get a touchback and the team gets the ball at the 25. It's like, I, you know, I sort of agree with Andy Reid. Um, you know, just getting that extra five yards, like it's like so you're being rewarded. At, you know, it's a touchback or not. So, um, I don't know. There, there's um, there's some things to still work through there, but uh, yeah. Um, and, and kind of going, going from uh, baseball, I um want to I want to talk a little bit about my uh, New York Mets, um, who are not not doing strong. They're winning right now. They're up uh, four to one, uh, at the moment. Uh, right now the the Mets are not doing uh, not doing as hot. They uh they they've lost uh they're on the verge of getting swept. Even though they're winning four to one, anything can happen in this game. Carlos Carrasco is on the mound for the Mets. I um I will you know not nothing <laughs> could go right sometimes with Carlos Carrasco on the mound. His ERA is eight point zero two. Um, definitely not good. Uh, but God. If uh, the Mets don't get their stuff right, I mean, they, um, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what kind of stuff is going to happen at the trade deadline. What are they, what are they going to do? Who are they going to move? Um, they have three really talented young players and Brett Beatty, Francisco Alvarez, and uh, Vientos, who just got called up uh, as of uh, last week and had a big game. Uh, but they have these three guys who are, you know, making a change and, um, you know, Francisco Alvarez, who's been playing really well for the Mets. Um, I think he has uh, five, four home runs, five home runs now for them. And um, I, I would just be, I would just be curious to see. He's, he's uh, batting two fifty because uh, now uh, the Mets DFA'd Gary, catcher Gary Sanchez today to make room for Tomas Nito, our backup catcher, who's a really good catcher but a really lousy batter. Um, and they also have uh, Navarez uh, coming back as well. From injury, what are they going to do with Alvarez? I mean, I um, I think they're going to keep him. Be, I think they're going to keep Alvarez. I, I don't think Cohen cares. I think Cohen's going to do what's best to make this team win. Um, he wants to win now. Obviously, all the money that is invested in this team, um, and they, they have not they have not played well at all, really. Uh, Francisco Lindor, again, God, I I have criticized him so much since he's come to the Mets uh, for what the Mets gave up for him. Uh, is just he is and the investment that the Mets put into him for ten years at like three hundred and forty one million dollars. His he he's been a, a joke. People call him a superstar. I don't think he's a superstar. Um, he's he, he's about two twenty four this year. A guy making I don't know thirty something million dollars. It's just uh, in the midst of his prime. He's twenty eight years old. Uh, Lindor has been absolutely one of the worst players in in like as far as like when you look at how much he's making. Uh, how much he's getting paid. He is one of the worst contracts in, in baseball. And the Mets still have this guy for another, uh, God, I think another uh, nine years uh, because I, I don't think he got paid his first year when um, when that contract went into effect. But God, it, it is not, it's not looking good. Um, he, he, he has a career batting average of 275. He, his bat speed is, he's lost bat speed over you know his prime. Sorry, he's 29 years old, so um, it's just it's hard to say that. God, this guy's gonna get better as as time goes on. It's gonna be one of the worst contracts in the years to come. I'm gonna keep saying that. I'm gonna stand by my words because I believe it. He has uh, seven home runs. Um, the guy strikes out in key situations all the time. I watched it again last night. Bounced into a lousy uh, 
about bounces into a lousy uh, ground double play. And it's like with a chance with a runner in scoring position. I just don't see it with him. People say he's a superstar. I don't think he's a superstar. I think he's the most overrated superstar in baseball. And that's just me being um, <laughs> highly critical of my team because there's so much money invested in this team. It's just, it's really uh, hard. It's really hard to say um, if they're going to be able to keep, keep all this up because they don't have the pitching. Um, you know, yesterday I saw uh, Marcus Stroman going out there and just, God, they, he embarrassed the match. He only gave a two earned runs, which was a two run home run by Francisco Alvarez, but he threw eight dominant innings. Um, he, he just, the Mets grounded pretty much every ball that they possibly could have. I think only, I think, uh, I got, I don't even remember how many strikeouts that Stroman had, who was a former Met. Um, you know, they, they let him go. They let him walk two years ago to the Cubs. And the thing was that the Mets needed started pitching at the time. Um, or what I thought they needed started pitching at the time. You know, they had a lot of starters who they were depending on. They just signed um, Max Scherzer. They they, had, they thought they had what they needed with Carlos Carrasco and and uh, McGill and David Peterson and and all these guys. They have, they have a six they have a six man rotation, but you're letting a guy go in Marcus Stroman who, um, I'm not saying he's it he was a you know a dominant the the most dominant pitcher, but a guy who threw dominant, who who threw uh, good innings, who gave you guys a lot of depth, and he signed a three-year, seventy-one million dollar deal with the Cubs. If you kind of if you think about that, because um, that that same year, Max Scherzer got three years at one hundred forty million dollars, and for a forty-year-old pitcher. And then the same thing this last offseason with Justin Verlander, they gave him three years at one hundred forty million dollars. So you give in two forty, almost two forty-year-old pitchers that kind of money when you could have signed a guy who was in the midst of his prime, who's you know almost approaching thirty years old. Um, you could have gave him uh, th- the three years at seventy-one million dollars. He probably would have taken the home discount. He loved pitching in New York. Um, he was pretty, he was dominant pitching there. Um, he wasn't like I said, he wasn't like uh, he wasn't a Cy Young caliber, but he still was a, a number two in your rotation kind of guy. And uh, he, he's still playing in a big market. So he, uh, in Chicago, it's not like uh, he wasn't able to pitch in a big market. He was playing, he pitched in Toronto, pitched in New York, and now he's pitching in Chicago. So this guy has been able to literally um, show that he has the stuff. He's not an injury prone guy. I mean, he, he definitely missed, he missed a little bit of time, but nothing like what we've seen over the, you know, with Justin Verlander and, and with uh, Max Scherzer. Uh, just uh, one, another frustrating move that I, um, we'll blame Billy Epler for as a GM of, of the um, the Mets, but uh, yeah, there there's a uh, been a lot there. That team is just madly struggling. Uh, they're sitting right at 25 and 25. They won today. They'll be 26 and 25. I guess it could be worse um, the season. They could be 10 games under 500. I guess I'm shocked, you know, where they're still at in the standings, but still a lot lot of baseball to go. Uh, the Braves are 30 19. The Phillies are 23 and 26. Um, you know, it's a really just a tough division. Even the Miami Marlins, um, who are, who are there in the division, um, they're, they're sitting at 25 and 26. So, uh, still kind of anyone's division or sorry, not, I'm not gonna say anyone's division, um, any team's uh, division, but I'm going to say mostly it's the Braves and whoever's going to win that wild card spot. It's going to come from one of those teams. I don't think you'll see the three teams do it like they did last year. Um, but 
Who knows? There's still a lot of baseball. We're only 50 games in to a 162-game season. Um, it's uh, it's okay for me to overreact. Um, another thing I, I kind of wanted to talk about was um, is there with all the stuff going on right now, um, in like uh, I'm going to do the overreaction to the MVP race in the AL. Because um, right now it's, per, it's pretty much Shohei Otani. Uh, obviously, no one's going to really can be able to compete with him with uh, how he's pitching. Is he, he has a sub-3 ERA. He has already, I think, 11 home runs. He has 11 home run last night. Uh, the Angels are they're winning. They just swept the Red Sox. The Red Sox have been really good. Um, and um, I'm shocked. The Angels are four four games over 500. We saw this last year, though, when they I think they lost like 13 in a row. So um, I would not be shocked if that can't, if that's coming. Last year, they ended up firing John Madden over all that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see um, come then. But uh, I want to – what I really want to get into is the backup uh, AL MVP um, uh, candidates. Who who will that be? And uh, one guy who I, I just want to talk about is uh, Bo Bichette. Guy's batting 326. Uh, he, he plays for a really good team uh, in the Toronto Blue Jays. Who, whose pitching has been struggling really bad. Bichette has been the anchor in that lineup. He has nine home runs, uh, only two stolen bases, 31, uh, 31 runs batted in. Guy's uh, 25 in the midst of his prime. And um, he, he's just, he's been stellar. The guy is one, one of the best. He, he doesn't draw a lot of walks, but um, outside of that, he actually has the the highest average in the AL um, as far as that goes. I mean, um, the the MLB leader in average right now is Luis Raz for the Miami Marlins. He won the batting title last year, and it looks like he's on pace to do it this year. Um, damn, you see, he's batting 371. It's awesome. Wow. Um, then behind him, you have Acuna. Acuna, who I think is just, uh, you know, you want to talk about the MVP in the NL? God. I can't even imagine what this guy's odds are. It has to be like minus 500 right now for Ronald Acuna to win the NL MVP because um, Gold, Goldschmidt, it was around this time last year. Where he just, he separated himself. Barring any injury, Acuna is going to most likely hit, you know, 35, 40 home runs. Guy's batting 330. Um, that, that's with the, with the updated uh, game version today. Uh, 27 runs batted in. But here's the other thing: 21 stolen bases. This guy's gonna have a 40-40 season possibly, which has not been done. Um, God, I, I in a long time. I think the last guy to even try to approach that was Matt Kemp in like 2010. But um, yeah, uh, you want you want some? Uh, I, I I doubt you could. I doubt there's any positive money that you could uh, go there with the Acuna because he's just so locked in. But uh, one thing I wanted to talk about is Bobuchet being. Um, he just a little bit of a of the underdog like he he could he could possibly win the he he will be a number two right now for the al mvp and if some if say if shohei uh barring you know any injury i hope he doesn't get injured but if he went down for injury like who will be the number two guy you're you're looking at you're looking at him bo bichette another guy uh you know i talked about sports cards on the podcast this is a guy who i would go out and get some sports cards he's um, you know, you might want to look for his first Bowman Chrome Auto. Uh, look for something like that. Look for some of his uh, numbered parallel stuff. Uh, get some of his autographs. His stuff is pretty cheap across the board uh, because you saw how Aaron Judge's stuff jumped last year. Of course, Otani stuff's going to be there. 
Um, cause Otani is a, a freak and he's a once in a lifetime kind of guy. So his cards are, I think, are always in hold value, but I think there's some value in the Boba Bichette stuff. Um, as I'm looking that, as I'm looking this up right now, um, Boba Bichette is, is, uh, one of those guys where it's like, yeah, you're looking at this guy, he's 25 years old and you're like, you know, how, uh, you know, you're always trying to find some sweet spots in the sports card hobby as far as like, okay, who can I buy that's undervalued? Bobochet plays in a pretty, uh, he's not in a you know, big, big market, but he's in, a, he's in a big enough market there in Toronto. Um, he's a shortstop. He's very relevant. Shortstops still sell really well. Um, he's, a, he's a guy that I would go out and get. Um, he, he's just, um, he's someone that also um, could, you know, can be carrying his team. I know him and um, uh, he has Vlad, Vlad Jr., uh, he has uh, uh, Chapman in, on his team, Matt Chapman, um, as well. Bad in there, they 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 both have pretty good averages. Um, Vlad, Vlad Jr. is a bad in two ninety eight. Matt Chapman's bad in two ninety five. Uh, but um, Bobuchet is has been carrying that team. Uh, he has been he's been the guy. Like um, I'm typing in on uh, eBay right now, just Bobuchet, um, his uh, his autograph cards and see what they're going for. Uh, whenever you're doing this, you want to go to sold. I know, uh, not like I'm not like the card, you know, father or the card guy in the industry, but um, you know. So here, here's an example: it's 2016 uh, Bowman draft, uh, which is you know the the kind of the card that you want to chase for almost any baseball player is their Bowman draft card. Um, their their first Bowman draft that that is uh, his his uh, auto PSA nine. This is not a numbered card. Um, sold for two hundred ninety nine dollars. Um, I think God, I would like to type in Aaron Judge and to see what Judge's um Bowman draft his uh his Bowman draft is. Uh, I know, like I said, Judge is Judge won the MVP last year, was a freak, and he's been off to another hot start. Another guy who is going to be up there in the MVP conversation too. I think uh, I would slightly have Bobuchet over that um if I was uh, a voter. Um, but yeah. Uh, let's see, go Bowman, we'll do Aaron Judge, his 2013, God, you know, I, lo- I love those years, anything prior to 2018, because um, they have uh, a little bit more, I think, value, in my, in my opinion, uh, they, but uh, let's see, Aaron Judge autograph, 2013 Bowman draft, his BGS9 auto, so this is his BGS9, so I just told you Bo Bichette. Uh, his twenty Bobuchet's twenty sixteen was two hundred ninety nine dollars. Aaron judges this is a BGS nine autograph uh, uh, graded ten, sold for thirteen hundred dollars. Um, that that's just insane. <laughs> that, that's crazy. A regular Bowman. Uh, so this isn't his Bowman first or Bowman Chrome. So this is just a Bowman autograph by Aaron Judge. This is raw. It sold for four hundred dollars. I know he plays in New York, so he's gonna have a little bit more marketability there. But that just kind of shows you, you're like, man, so that card is twelve, thirteen hundred dollars. Why is Boba Shet only three, you know, three hundred? Um, I, I think, you know, it's gonna be kind of that same race last year with where Judge and Otani were going at it. And um I, uh the, it might be Bachette and it might be um it might be Bachette and Judge, who knows if something happens to Otani, but uh I think it's gonna be Bachette and I think it's gonna be uh Otani just going after it. Uh, that was one of my predictions at the uh, the beginning of the year. I, I predicted uh, Bichette to win the MVP. Um, you know, on an outside chance that Otani wasn't going to win it, but um, 
it's just one of those things. I'm really curious to see. Uh, like I said, Judge, I would have number three right now. And um, I guess you make the slight case that Randy or Rosarena could be, or uh, actually, sorry, I can't say Rosarena, Wander uh, Franco. Wander Franco has been um, kind of the anchor. He's been, uh, his average has sort of dipped a little bit. He's batting 288. Um, but uh, Tampa Bay Rays have the most wins in baseball. Uh, but again, Franco, who is just, um, who is just a gold glove shortstop, just one of the best defenders in baseball. Um, and, uh, and, you know, he's playing for the best team in baseball with the, the Rays, who are just a juggernaut and cannot be stopped. Uh, I think they just took a two out of three out of the Blue Jays. When the Blue Jays just killed them, I think they won like, they won like 20 to one on uh, Tuesday. So uh, <laughs> that, well, me and Steve, we're going to talk about that after, but uh, on the podcast, but we, we had just finished. So we saw that, but uh, the Rays come back and we take two more. They're at 37 and 15 on the year, but uh, yeah, um, ba- baseball is getting really fun. I know Steve and I are going to do a really big deep dive over the Memorial day weekend. when we come back on the next Tuesday for the next podcast. But um yeah, a lot, a lot of a uh, lot of fun stuff going on. Uh, let's do. I'm gonna do a quick little update while watching this Miami game here. Um, you know, the Celtics are blowing him out right now by 15. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe I am. Um, still can't. Still, uh, you know, still can't uh, walk away from uh, this game just because I've seen. We saw the Heat come back down from double digits in the fourth quarter twice against the. Uh, Twice against the Milwaukee Bucks, and uh, they end up winning that series pretty easily. And uh, they won Game Two against the Celtics when the Celtics were up, um, I think, what with ten with like six, seven minutes to go. And then Grant Williams uh, got in, the, you know, got in the face of uh, Jimmy buckets, and that all happened. But uh, it looks like Tatum's finally awakened. He has twelve points, five or six from the field right now. And um, who knows? Maybe we'll be seeing the Game Six after all. Well, um, I hope you guys all enjoyed this edition of the podcast. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed, uh, you know, me talking. Uh, Please uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a rating and review, and I will see you guys all next time.